Hey guys, Arun this side and I'm excited for the episode 2 of the Daily DBA show and I believe you all enjoyed the first episode. I really got an amazing response on the first episode. I got so many emails, comments and I literally fall in love with the show pattern and I believe even you all started loving the show pattern. So what I believe is in case if you have any ideas to improve the show, do send it to me. I would love to include and make those changes to the show. And now let us jump on to the daily DBA episode number two. Welcome back guys to the daily DBA show. I'm your host Arun Kumar and my goal with this show is to make you all Oracle certified expert. All right. With an amazing response to the first episode i am so excited to start the second episode with all of you trust me i have got so many good questions in the comments and i also got so many emails i also got so many whatsapp messages from some of the students who have my personal number trust me everyone enjoyed the episode number one and in this episode also i have got 10 new questions that are exciting and I would love to answer all those 10 questions for all of you in this episode. As always, I encourage you to write down all your questions, doubts, confusions, or anything, anything that you want to ask me in terms of Oracle DBA career or database administration career, or whether it is related to cloud, any question that you have, any confusion, any problem, any issue, write it down in the comments and I promise to you that I will pick up your question and answer in one of the upcoming episodes. Without wasting further time, let us start our today's show with this first question. After upgrading database, do we need to keep old binaries or we can remove it? So once you perform the database upgrade, I think uh, there's no requirement to keep the old binaries but let us look at what standard practices companies follows or the client follows even before you decide to remove the old binaries what happens is whenever you perform an upgrade you generally keep the old database binaries for at least 30 days because in the 30 days the application team might be testing how application works on the upgraded database and let's take in 30 days there is no issue definitely continue to use the oracle latest version but in case if there is an issue after performing the database upgrade with the application, then what happens is uh, having the old binaries will allow you to roll back faster. Even if you don't have the binaries, you can always install them, but it's a good practice to keep those binaries at least for 30 days so that uh, if there is any issue inside your database upgrade, you can always roll back. So I would personally recommend don't be in a hurry whenever a database upgrade is done, just don't right away go ahead and delete the old binaries. Wait for some time and probably once your application teams confirm that okay, uh, the database upgrade is fine, their application is running fine on the latest release of the Oracle database, then you can probably think of removing the old binaries. And by the way, there is no impact of removing the old binaries on the new database because now your new database is running completely from the new Oracle home. 
So to answer this question, after upgrading database, do we need to keep old binaries or can we remove it? You can absolutely remove them, but as a good practice, keep them for at least 30 days or probably 60 days. In case if there is no rollback requested from the application team, you can go ahead and remove those binaries. All right, that being said, let's move on to the next question. I'm trying to load 5 million rows into one table inside Oracle. Is there any way I can enhance the speed of load? All right, looking at the question, I just can't tell which method you are using to load the 5 million rows inside the Oracle database. And by the way, guys, 5 million records for an Oracle database is small, very small, very, very, very small data. It's not something big or huge. And I generally work with so many clients and I see billions of records. So 5 million rows is nothing for Oracle database. And trust me, by just using this 5 million rows number, it doesn't make your situation critical or uh, highly important to think about. But just to answer your question, like uh, how to speed up the load? See, it depends what method you're using. Uh, if you're using export import, definitely it might be challenging and if you are using SQL star loader and you're loading from Excel CSV file then it's a different case if you are using select star or create table as select star from another table then that's a different way of loading because some people consider creating a table from another table also as loading data so i'm really not sure and i cannot answer directly like uh, how can you enhance the speed of the load it depends now, if you're using any particular method, definitely I would recommend you to enable the trace. And once you enable the trace at session level, so what you can do is uh, you can use TKProf utility to read the trace file and see where exactly Oracle is wasting a lot of time in loading your 5 million rows. And one important thing that I want to say is most of the times when people are using PLSQL to load this kind of data, what they will do is they try to use commit inside the loop. So if you are using any loop conditions or any PLSQL block where you have multiple inserts going on inside a loop, so try to use the commit outside the loop. So once you have loaded all the data, use commit outside the loop so that you are issuing only one commit after all your 5 million rows are loaded because uh, after you insert every single record and if you issue commit it becomes an overhead on Oracle database so my personal recommendation is for a PLSQL block try to use commits at least at the end of your loop or outside your loop so that's my suggestion. I'm not sure like if I was able to help you on this question, but next time I would recommend you in case if you're sending me these kind of question guys, try to also give me other details like what type of method you're using and probably you can also send me a sample code so that I can understand okay how it works. All right, let's move on to the next question that we have is while upgrading from 12.1 to 12.2, the log file shows remove events before upgrade to 12.2. I don't know how to remove events from Oracle. Please help. Okay, by the way guys, I've seen a question related to events probably after a long time. 
So if you just type show parameter event inside Oracle, you will get to know what all events are set. Definitely there is only one parameter event. So what you can do is you can just type alter system set events equal to and then set some value. There are guidelines from Oracle as to how you can disable the events. I will put a sample event disabling link in the comments. Once you execute that query, you will have to bounce the instance because this parameter takes effect only from the next startup. And once you reset the events parameter, then you will have to fire the database upgrade assistant once again in order to start the database upgrade. So that way, I think even if the DBUA is complaining about the events, once you reset using alter system set events parameter, once you reset it and then you will be able to proceed further when it comes to database upgrades. So one quick tip guys, I would request you to search on Google how to set events in SP file and I think you will get great deal of details regarding Oracle events. Let's move on. I always struggle with tnsnames.ora file as I always mess with parentheses. Is there a tool that you recommend to design tnsnames.ora without errors? I don't think you need a separate tool. We already have it inside Oracle. It's called as NetCA, Network Configuration Assistant. And using the NetCA tool, you can design the listener.ora file, you can design the tnsnames.ora file, and it will set up the proper entries inside the respective files, whether it is listener.ora file or tnsnames.ora file. You don't really need a tool or you don't really need to build a tool from scratch. Why don't you use something that is inbuilt by Oracle. So the next question we have is in Oracle rack, do you recommend one temp file for temp table space for all nodes or multiple temp files? So what I personally recommend is inside rack, what you should do is you should have the same number of temp files inside the temp table space as the number of instances you have. For example, you have two node rack then you should have two temp files inside your temp table space. Now, when you add another node to the cluster, node three, then you should also add another temp file to the temporary table space. So that way, when it comes to acquiring the temp table space or temp segments inside the Oracle rack by multiple nodes, it makes their life easy because temp table space is required by the particular instance. So what happens is let's take node one needs to access the temp table space. It will take the space from the temp file one. Now for node two, if it needs to access the temp table space, it will use the temp file two inside the temp table space. And the same thing goes on to the other nodes, right? Just to keep it as simple as possible, you have node one and you have one temp table space with one temp file, it's good. It will work well, but as you add nodes to your cluster, when you add node two, make sure you're adding another temp file to the temp table space so that the temp file one works for node one and temp file two works for the node two. That way you have good enough temp space in rack in order for it to perform well. I also have one more recommendation when it comes to Oracle rack and see this guys, uh, whenever you work with any kind of database, whether it is uh, Oracle database or any type of database in the world, you actually know which is the most important schema inside the database. Now, based on that particular schema, what I highly recommend is for those particular schemas, you should have a separate dedicated temp table space. And for the entire database, you have a 
different temp table space. So looking back to the rack example, let's take you have two node rack. So you will have two temp files for the temp table space. And also let us assume there is a Scott schema, which is the most important schema inside the database. Then what you do is you create a dedicated temp table space only for that Scott schema. That way it helps you increase the performance of your entire rack setup. All in all, to keep it as simple as possible, if you are running a rack setup, make sure you have the same number of temp files as the number of nodes that you have inside your rack cluster. Moving on, the next question we have is, how can I know when is the time to increase memory on server so that my Oracle instance runs fast? So guys, uh, before I answer this question, I would like to share a story with you. Like uh, we had a client, I was working and the client server was having 128 GB RAM. Now the DBA who was working at the client place, his recommendation was always to increase the RAM so that he can allocate more size to the database instance. And he used to think that by increasing the size of the database instance, the database will perform well. Of course, in some cases not always and there are scenarios when you should increase the database size not always but to solve any performance tuning problem it doesn't mean you keep on increasing database instance or uh, temp table space or the undo table space it does not work like that because sometimes in performance tuning the problem might be completely opposite while you are trying to just increase the ram on the server so with this client, what happened is uh, their server was having 128 GB RAM, right? And uh, the DBA was saying like, okay, Arun, uh, I need more RAM in order to increase the memory target parameter for Oracle instance so that the instance will perform better. I always had this doubt like, okay, not really. Like you just can't shoot in the air and say, okay, uh, by increasing the memory of the Oracle instance, the database will perform well. So what I asked this DBA is to shut down the database and then check the memory utilization on the server. Now, it turned out completely different. We shut down the database and the server was using 96 GB of the memory. Now understand, what is that application that is installed on the server that is actually using 96 GB of the RAM. So eventually when we worked with the system admin team, there was some application, they had some other issues. So they resolved it and later on we got to know once we shut down the database, the server was using only 25 GB of RAM. So we still have so much RAM and there was no requirement to add new RAM to the server and we could use the available RAM and increase the memory target parameter. I mean. Increasing RAM on a server cannot be based on a random guess. So you need to prove your point like uh, what makes you think that you should increase the RAM on the server. Like do you have the stats on what is the PGA usage, what is the SGA usage. Before I could recommend increasing the RAM on the server, I would definitely need the data on what is the current memory usage by the Oracle, current memory usage by the server, and if possible, if it is a test database, can you shut down the database and check 
what is the usage of the RAM by the server when the database is down and also I would need the PGA SGA stats and also check if there is some other application that is running on the server and also I would recommend uh, see this does it happen only at a particular time or does it happen or is it pretty frequent like sometimes I see whenever some shell scripts run uh, whether it is to deal with some OS level activities or it uh, or those are the scripts that are scheduled by the system admin team those kind of scripts will actually spike in the RAM usage now again you will have to provide more data in order for me to give you the best recommendations and again if you are like an immature DBA and you're saying like okay Arun by increasing the RAM Oracle will run faster no it does not work like that and don't even think of doing something like this don't keep on trying to add more RAM add more temp table space add more undo table space in a database just thinking like the database will perform well it does not work like that you need to have stats in hand to prove your point and then probably you can go on increasing all these three important parameters also just in case uh, you want to see what is the usage of PGA I think you can query the V$ PGA stat and that view will give you the idea about the utilization of the PGA amazing let's move on so the next question we have is how can I upgrade Oracle client from 11G to 12C version on Windows system so my question to you is why do you want to upgrade the client like why don't you install both the clients and keep it on your Windows system so let's take in future you want to connect to an 11G database you have 11G client and if you want to connect to a 12C database you have 12C client it's so simple right why don't you maintain both the clients see on a Windows system if you have multiple clients you have 11G client 12C client what you can do is you can always change the path variable and define which client you want to use in order to connect to a particular database so when you want to connect to an 11G database you want to use the 11G client make sure you change the path variable pointing to the 11G client use it when you want to connect to 12C client or 12C database then you change the path variable to the 12C client and connect to the 12C database it's so simple why can't you maintain both the clients you don't need to uninstall upgrade or something like that in I mean you don't need to do that just keep both clients inside your Windows system and use them as and when you want by the way one quick tip have you tried Oracle instant client so for all the other people who are listening I would recommend you to go on to Google and search what is Oracle instant client and what is the difference between Oracle client and Oracle instant client one hint if you have Oracle instant client I think you don't need to perform an installation you just download it connect to the database so let's move on to the next question my manager asked me to set up physical standby along with data guard broker do you have specific documentation for same yes we do have as I always say go to support.dbagenesis.com it is our knowledge base I have put up all my articles all my scripts all my documentations all steps notepads everything is available on support.dbgenesis.com just go there 
in the search bar i think you can type uh, physical standby setup you just type physical standby and you will get a lot of documentation on physical standby setup of course we also have documentation for physical standby setup without data guard broker and also physical standby setup with data guard broker so whichever documentation you like you can go for it and once again the website is support.dbgenesis.com okay so moving on uh, the next question we have is what are the different database migration methods available which method do you recommend guys a uh, database migration methods uh, depends on from where to where you are migrating and what is the size of the database i just cannot tell you how important the database size is in any kind of activity that you perform because based on the database size your method will change i'll give you an example tell me this thing guys if you are shifting from one apartment to another apartment don't you think the method of shifting will change when you have one bedroom apartment that you want to shift or when you have five bedroom apartment that you want to shift right so the size of the database matters whenever i sit with clients and they will tell me like okay arun we need to perform a migration we need to perform an upgrade we need to perform a movement of the database we need to perform a cloning any kind of activity they talk my first and the primary question would be what's the size of the database because everything changes when it comes to database size understand when you are trying to clone a 5gb database and compare it with 5tb database definitely the strategies will be different the way you handle the clone is different the way you plan to clone is different the way you will be moving ahead with pre cloning activities and post cloning activities will be completely different right so the same thing happens with database migrations depending on the database size and from where to where you are performing the migrations my recommendations will change and also there are some added complexities to the migrations some clients will say i want zero downtime database migration then the strategy will change somebody is migrating from physical to cloud the strategy will change somebody is migrating from windows to linux strategy will change somebody is migrating from windows to aix strategies will change linux to solaris strategies will change so i cannot give you my personal recommendation based on which one is my favorite it depends on scenario from where to where you are migrating and what is the size of the database because that's the critical defining component when it comes to choosing the right strategy for the migration so to answer the first part of the question like what are the different migration methods available in oracle uh, they are like you can use arman you can use uh, data guard you can use golden gate you can use transportable table spaces uh, i think you can also use dbca if your database uh, size is very small you can use the unplugging and plugging method which is available in oracle 12c onwards you can migrate a non cdb to a pdb uh, using the oracle multi tenant architecture and so on so uh, as mentioned earlier once again depending on which method to choose for migration will depend on the size of the database and from where to where you are performing the migration So for all the DBAs who are listening to this video I would want you to go to Google and search 
advanced data guard migration methods i'm not going to say much about this topic but i would definitely want you to research more and whatever you learn i would definitely request you to put down your learnings below this video so that even other students can learn and what i would encourage you guys is let's take if i'm asking you to search something on google go ahead search it on google and if you find an important link put that link inside the comments so that other students can go ahead and learn faster let's build a community where we are helping each other learn faster all right that being said let's move on to the last question of the day what is the difference between database sid database name and db unique name I'll keep this question as simple as possible. See, your database has a name. And when you create a database, your database name that is known as DBSID, system identifier, the database name will be same as your database instance name. So technically, now the question is, Arun, can we have a different instance name and the database name? Of course, you can. But by default, when you create a database using DBCA, the database name, and the database instance both have the exactly same name yes you have a choice to change it and let me give you an example where actually people choose to have different instance name and different database name it is like highly critical military operations databases that's where the database SID will be different the database instance name will be different so that it's hard for any outsider to even guess what is the name of the database now let us talk about db unique name when you create a database the database sid the instance name and the db unique name all three will be exactly same but what happens is in a data guard configuration the database name will be exactly same because see if your application is connecting to uh, your primary database and later on when you switch over it connects to a different database the database sid must be exactly same if the database ID changes, it creates a problem. Application will think like it is speaking to some other database. So in a very normal configuration of data guard, what people do is they have the primary database. So the instance name and the database ID on the primary side will be exactly same as the instance name and the DB ID on the standby server. Now, when you have this kind of configuration where primary is exactly same as standby, how will you uniquely define each instance? So for that, we have DB unique name parameter. So even if you have two databases where the instance name is same, the database SID is same, but you still want to give a different identity to each database, that's when you use DB unique name. So on a normal database, DB unique name will be exactly same as the database SID or the instance name. But in a data card configuration, the uh, DB unique name will be different for the standby database. So that by just looking at DB unique name, you can say, oh, I'm connected to the standby server or the primary server. All right, guys, that's all for today. With that last question, I would encourage you to put down your questions, comments, doubts below this video so that I can pick it up and answer in our upcoming episodes. Or else, if you are listening this on to podcast, you can always send your questions to support at the rate dbhnss.com and I will try to answer as many questions as possible. And now, the most exciting part, the bonus question. (music) 
Alright guys, so I have this question and I have chosen this for the bonus question because it is really important for almost all the DBAs out there and the question is, is DBA role vanishing because of cloud? I think the answer is yes and the answer is no also because see, uh, if as a DBA you are not ready to take up new responsibilities because with cloud you are getting into new responsibilities, you are starting to interact with the client you are getting closer to the deployment side you are getting closer to the client interaction you are getting closer to the architect role so if you are not ready to move towards this role the added responsibilities that comes with cloud that's when the problem starts and if you are an admin dba saying like okay i just want to add space to the table space i just want to perform the installations i will only perform tns ping i will only perform arm and cloning all the best but if you want to become a cloud dba or you want to move into the cloud first open your arms and say yes to new learning see most of the dbas and guys don't hide this with me i talked to so many dbas and they wanted to become a dba not because dba was their passion they wanted to become a dba because they thought there are limited number of activities that they need to perform in a day and their job is secure for next 10 to 20 years now it does not work like that because now they are facing the reality now all the dbas are being forced to learn outside their comfort zone they are forced to learn cloud they are forced to learn something new and then immediately everybody is getting scared why are you so much scared in learning something new when it comes to cloud understand this guys cloud is very simple cloud is someone else computer so what you are doing is you have a database in physical system and you move that database to the cloud now in cloud you are responsible to talk to the cloud vendor who is person number one because that's where you have hosted the database so definitely you have to talk to the cloud vendors you also have to talk to your own clients because clients will also be using those cloud servers because they will also host the application over there you will be more responsible to talk to the clients frequently because client is also using the cloud so it doesn't mean that if your database is moving to the cloud the application will not move to the cloud of course they will move the application also now having said all this guys understand in cloud the dba role is changing the activities will also change but activities when i say will not change in terms of basic dba it will change in terms of cloud like in cloud you need to know what is the bandwidth that is allowed to your uh, database server uh, you need to learn the cloud networking in order for the application to speak with with the database you need to learn uh, arm and cloning in cloud uh, as to how to use arm in order to perform the cloning of course it's one and the same but the most important pillar when it comes to cloud dba is interacting with the client that's number one interacting with the cloud vendor that's number two and then learning the new tools inside the cloud because every cloud deploys machines and deliver services in a completely different way all in all if you are not open to learn new things in cloud then i think for you it's a hard time but if you are a dba who is ready to learn cloud and who wants to mature in terms of uh, client interactions then it is one of the biggest opportunities that you can have 
right now now that being said guys i think it's time to wind up this episode and i will see you in the next episode till then take care bye bye